Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this beautiful day? I hope wherever you are, you're feeling good, groovy in your neighborhood. I was trying to change it up a little bit. Um, It is a beautiful sunny day in New Jersey at the time of this recording. Um, Although I will say there is a caveat, I see the pollen swirling around. So I'm glad my windows are closed and the pollen can stay outside. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my friends, I hope you are well on this beautiful day. If you are not, know that it will pass. It, everything is temporary. Things are always moving and changing. So ride it out. You don't have to power through. I'm not saying, you know, overexert your nervous system. I'm just saying, hold on, lean into trust, lean into your intuition, into your divine knowing, and know that you have the strength to keep going, to just keep going. Um, and it's interesting because I met with a friend of mine over the weekend who I consider part of my soul fam, soul family. And her name is Jess, Jessica. She lives in the DC area. And I got to visit with her um, over the weekend and just spend a little bit of time with her. Not long enough, but it was a couple hours. So it was good. I got a little fix. Uh, and we were just talking about the last, I don't know, maybe four months and how it has been a dark place for a lot of us. And and it's funny because as I talk to people who I consider soul fam, soul family, um, they all have been going through a weird darkness. Like one friend called it a, like another dark night of the soul. You know, there's more than one experience of the dark night of the soul, I will just say right off the bat. Um, but it seems like, at least in my in my circles, a lot of people have been going through that probably since January, February up until now. And we're only now emerging from that darkness, from that dark place. So I was speaking with um, my friend Jess about this and she was like, yeah, you know, I was, I wasn't doing great either. And, you know, but now I feel like we're, we're sort of emerging, we're coming through. So know that if you are in a dark place, that there is always light. It's just that we need to trust the light will emerge. The light is always there. It's a a matter of us needing to lean into whatever lessons we need to lean into. I'm going to be honest. I don't know what the lessons were for the darkness that I went through over the past few months, but I am trusting that whatever lessons I learned they will emerge um, in due time. If they're not already emerging just in the way that I'm being, who knows, who knows? But I will say, keep going, hold on. If you need someone to talk to or, you know, just 
be there for your support. You can reach out to me. You got friends. You can seek professional help, whatever it is. But know that you are not alone and that it this too shall pass. Um, yeah. I wanted to just say that right at the get-go because it's important for us to know that there is more than just the darkness. Okay. And so friends, I have drawn from my new Oracle deck, which was a birthday gift from my, from my daughters, which I love so much. Um, so I've been, I'm going to be working with this Oracle deck for the next few weeks or so. And this one is by Rebecca Campbell, which is the same person who made the lights, uh, sorry, the Starseed Oracle deck. <clears throat> and this deck is called Work Your Light. So if you're in the darkness, perhaps this card will help you. So today's card that I drew for y'all is called The Great Gathering. And I'm going to tell you when I went, when I pulled this card and I saw it, I was like, oh my goodness, yes to the divine timing, like really, because I set an intention for this particular episode, you know, the topic that I wanted to talk about. And this card is exactly it. So The Great Gathering, it's all coming together, intuitive hits, soul tribe. So here's what the guidebook says. You are being called to let your intuition move you physically. You are connected to a group of souls who are weaving a web around the planet. And as you travel and share your creations, something is rethreaded. This card is an acknowledgement that you are either either being called to connect with others who are like you at a soul level or that you already are. Didn't I just finish saying that? Okay. You are being called to gather groups of people either by leading them or becoming part of a group that can support you and your soul's personal mission. I'm saying, I'm saying, okay, you are part of a group of souls who agreed to be here at this time in history to heal yourself, your ancestral line, and the planet. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a caveat with that though. All right. It's not on, the onus isn't on you to heal the entire collective. Okay. That's not your job. Your job is to just be you. And by being you, assists in the healing of the planet, in the healing of the collective. Okay? So it's not like you have to go out and save the world. You're not the savior. No, you are just here because you're you. And the gift of you is what is contributing to the healing of the planet. Okay? Okay. Just wanted to make that clear. Um to raise consciousness so that we can continue to call this magnificent place home for eras to come. One of many conscious, one of many consciously choosing, oh, sorry. You are one of many consciously choosing to devote your life to something greater than yourself. This is true. It's time to call in your tribe by sharing your soul's voice and letting yourself be seen. When you share what is real and true to you and you share the medicine that you most need, Those who are like you will gather around you. You are your tribe. They are just like you. And just as you are longing and searching for them, they are longing and searching for you too. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This card, this card, this card. Like I got high vibe chills right now as I'm reading this to you because it is everything that I've been thinking about, everything that I want to talk about right now for this episode. I am like... Holy crap, universe, divine guidance, holy crap, ancestors, thank you for putting this in my face. Now, here is an activation, um, I guess, mantra. So you hold the card on your heart, 
imagine you have the card, the oracle card on your heart and say, I choose now to let myself be seen. I'm ready to call in my soul tribe and create a web of light all over the planet. Now, let me tell you something. When I was talking to Jess, my dear friend in the DC area, we were talking about how it's too bad that we don't live close together, you know, because I, I would love to see her all the time <clears throat> because I feel like I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who don't get it. Um, and then we were talking about it, but it's like, no, we're meant to not live nearby because we are creating a light grid. We are creating what this guidebook calls a web of light. I'm just calling it a light grid. So all of my soul fam and the connections that I make are not necessarily next door. You know, they are far and wide. And that is because we are here to help heal the planet. So, okay, okay. So this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about community. So the the word that came forward when I was like, okay, this episode is going to be about, and then community popped in that blank space. I was like, okay, yeah, let's talk about community. So I just, um, for those who don't know, I have a sub Substack newsletter called Adventures in Midlife, right? So fun. I mean, this podcast is fun, but I also have that Substack because I like to tell stories about what it's like to be in midlife. <laughs> and and so every week I share some kind of story, some kind of musing, some kind of antic about, you know, midlife, like, you know, dating apps or whatever. And um, paid subscribers get access to my mini podcast. So, I mean, you would think like, girl, why you got a podcast? Now I got a mini podcast. Like, what are you even doing? I don't know. I ask myself the same question. And then I just say, oh, but I got two fire signs in my chart. So that makes sense. <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense when my energy is low and I'm like, why am I doing two recordings of things? <sighs> Who knows? But anyway, on the Substack newsletter, there is a private mini podcast for subscribers, paid subscribers. So you can subscribe to the newsletter and get my Friday, you know, updates on adventures in midlife. But if you want access to other things like discounts on workshops and um, the mini podcast, Midlife Musings, which is really like little mini teachings, um, <clears throat> then you can just go to the Substack, lesliann.substack.com to sign up. Um, and it's eleven, $11, $11.11 per month for all kinds of perks. Uh, so yeah, so go check it out. But my point is, I had just recorded Midlife Musings, which is the name of my little mini podcast. And I talked about friendships. Okay, so friendships are about building community about a sense of belonging. And I was thinking about communities in general. You know, I live in a place where there are not a lot, at least in my sphere of perception, there are not a lot of people around me who are on the obvious spiritual path. You know, they're not necessarily into the woo-woo stuff. They don't, you know, spirituality, they're like, what's that? Is that religion? Um, you know, I don't go to church, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, slowly I'm seeing bit by bit, a little more people here and there starting to say things like, you know, your thoughts create your reality. Your beliefs create your reality. That kind of language is slowly emerging, but not quite. So I'm like, am I the only one around here who understands how energy works? Not to say that I am an expert, 
or anything or a master of anything, but I just have this awareness, right? And so my awareness is I have awareness, but the other people around me don't, which is not necessarily true because if I shift my thoughts and my beliefs, I might start to find people who have similar perceptions of the world, right? So there's, how is that for meta, right? (laughs) Um, So I was thinking, okay, I really feel isolated. I feel alone in the work that I do. um, And I'm looking for my people. I'm looking for my community. And so I'm like, all right, we need to talk about community here. Like, what is community? Why is it important? And how do we create it? So you think I'd have a cheat sheet? I just rambled off those bullet points. I was like, wow, that sounds like I prepared something in advance. So cool, (laughs) but not true. All right. So one, maybe it's because I've been teaching for so long that my brain just operates that way when I'm sharing teachings with other people. So first up, what is community? Community is a group of people who connect and there's a sense of belonging. There's a sense of cohesion. There's a sense of shared interests, beliefs, you know, vibes, whatever. It just feels good. That's all I got to say. It feels good. Now, that's not to say I'm not going to romanticize community and say, oh, no, you know, there's no, no problems in community. Of course, there's problems in community. We are human. So there's going to be some conflicts here and there, you know, egos clashing, miscommunications happening in any community. But the point is we are in it together, right? We are in it together. We have shared values, shared beliefs a shared common goal, whatever it is. I mean, it could be a community of hikers. It could be a community of, you know, sacred plant medicine practitioners. It could be a community of dog lovers, you know, whatever it is. But we have something in common that connects us to create a sense of belonging with each other. Okay, so that's one. What is community? Why do we need community? Two, why do we need community? Because human beings are a communal species. Yes, there are people who like to introvert a lot. There are people who like to hermit, to live in isolation, you know, whatever. That's how they're built. But on the whole, human beings are a communal species in which we thrive when we are in relationship with each other. We feel supported. We feel safe. We feel this belonging where if we look at our reptilian brain is actually soothing for us because we know we're not going to get thrown out into the wild left to die because we couldn't pull our weight in the community, (laughs) you know? So why do we need community? Because living in isolation sucks. If, If the start of 2020 wasn't any wake up call to that, then I don't know what is, you know, most of 2020 was in lockdown, in isolation, and people really felt horrible. They felt what it was like to not be able to connect with their friends physically. And I, when I say connect, it doesn't mean we all get touched each other. It could just be like gathering in, in the field. You know, I, I read about, you know, groups of friends would play soccer matches 
in a big field, being mindful of like the, the six feet thing and, you know, not like aggressive competitive soccer, but just like kicking a ball around because they needed that connection to be in the energetic, same energetic space as their friends. <clears throat> That's how people were surviving isolation. That's what they were doing. They were like, okay, I know it, it feels a little dangerous to go out and do this thing, but if we're outside, you know, science says that the virus gets killed by sunlight, so let's go outside and make sure that, you know, we keep everyone safe, but we really need to connect. Otherwise, I'm going to go crazy. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get sick, whatever it is. Like, people could not take it anymore. So we need community because it is part of our DNA. And so, you know, I just finished saying that pandemics lockdown really showed us what happens when we live in isolation, when we live apart from each other. This is why we need community. This is why we need to connect with people. But I will say that because of lockdown, because of the panini, as some people like to call it, <clears throat> We have forgotten how to be in community. We have forgotten how to gather and be social and enjoy each other's company. We forgot. We got so used to watching other people be in community on a screen, you know, like Netflix shows or, you know, movies or whatever, you know, TikTok videos, whatever it is that you're watching on a screen. Um, you know, yeah, we can gather in community on Zoom right? That's a kind of community. And that's great. But some people were like, I have Zoom fatigue. I can't do that. But I will watch other people have a great time on a Netflix show, you know, uh, a movie or whatever it is, um, and be jealous about being in community. So we have forgotten how to socialize. I'm going to say that I um, went to Evie Shockley's book launch party uh, back in mid-March. And it was at Word Bookstore in Jersey City. Great place. So shout out to Word. Woot woot. And it was so nice just to be gathered with people, even though I didn't know them. Everyone had come together to hear Evie read her work and share it with the world and be in conversation with these two other poets. And I was like, oh, I missed this. I had forgotten how wonderful it is. I mean, it was just like, oh, right. I forgot. I forgot. Because it's so easy for us to stay home. It's so easy for us to just like get access to whatever we need through our phones, through our computers. You need food delivered? All right. There's an app for that. You know, you don't go out anymore. <laughs> Nobody goes out anymore. You see this trend in the United States where there are brick and mortar places closing down, going out of business, you know. Um, I just read the other day that Starbucks is closing like two stores in the college town where my daughter has decided to go to college, which I think is interesting. Um, but it's not because Starbucks is losing money or going out of business. It's because they expanded too quickly, like too much too quick. And, um, they're totally fine. You know, no one, no one cry over, over them, but there are places I can't think of any right now, but there are places that were open that I love so much but now are no longer there because they lost business because people forgot that we used to go out to dinner and enjoy each other's company. People forgot, Oh, we used to go to bookstores to hang out and read books 
in the aisles at the cafe or wherever it is, flip through magazines, whatever it is, we had forgotten because we are out of practice. And so that's, this is sort of a bar, a sidebar, side note <clears throat> about practice. It's important for us to practice the things that we want, that we want to cultivate, whether it's friendships, whether it's community, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, it's important for us to cultivate that regularity, that practice so that we can strengthen that muscle so that we won't forget. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and she was talking about how she wanted to really commit to a journaling practice. And she's like, you know, it's start, stop, start, stop, you know, and, and I already know that it is what is going on in her mind. The stories that she's saying about journaling, the beliefs that she has about journaling that are preventing her from actually committing to that practice on a daily basis. And it's not thoughts about journaling itself. No, it's about the prioritization of it, right? And forgetting how helpful, how supportive, how magical journaling can be because we haven't practiced it. Right. And I'm, I'm also speaking for myself. You know, I used to journal every morning <clears throat> as a regular practice. And then I fell out of practice with it because I had a lot of life upheavals in the past year. And you would think instead of, you know, I would especially lean into that practice of journaling during these life changes and shifts and upheavals. But I didn't. I went the other way. I went to escape into sleep where I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I just need to go to bed. I'll journal tomorrow. I'll journal tomorrow. No, I'll do it tomorrow. Okay, no, tomorrow. <sighs> do I have to do it tomorrow? Okay. You know, so it's that thinking of like, okay, I I see it as a task, as a burden, as hard work to do, forgetting that it actually is a joy, that it's a pleasure for me to put pen to paper, for me to see the thoughts in my head and not just hear them. Because I know once I get the thoughts in my head on paper, they can leave my mind and my mind will get more space. And I'll just be like, it's like a breath of fresh air in my brain when I journal, because all the clutter gets dumped out onto the page. And so I had forgotten that. And now I'm working on remembering that by continuing to show up for my daily journaling practice. Now, it's slow going, I'm going to admit. I'm not at the everyday like, oh, I'm going to write every day, blah, blah, blah. No, it's sporadic. It's still sporadic. But I know I'm aware of the root of the problem that's preventing me from engaging in this practice. Okay, so let's think about this in relationship to community. We have forgotten how to be with each other, like physically be with each other. And so can we make little baby step efforts to connect with people, to really gather in community intentionally. Like there needs to be an intention. It's not like, hey, let's just show up and, you know, look at each other and twiddle our thumbs. You know, I mean, unless that's your intention, right? We just want to hang out. Okay. You could just, you can hang out. That's still an intention. Um, but it's just, it's, it's something that we need to make the effort for so that we can benefit from being in community, but then also remember how wonderful it is to be in community. And when we remember and we keep remembering, we keep practicing, then we can begin to keep being in community, in creating community. And that's, I guess, bullet point number three is how do you create community? It's by showing up. 
and inviting and making the effort, like reaching out to your friends, say, Hey, do you want to get coffee? Let's go. Let's go hang out. You know, and I know, I know everyone's schedule is crazy. Everyone has this, this, and this, and this. Like I have a, I have a friend. We, we try to meet for coffee regularly, but it's always like, Every six months because <laughs> it's like, how about this Friday? Nope. How about this Friday? That Friday? Nope. 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 You know, it's crazy. And I mean, granted, our, our availability for each other is usually only Friday mornings. We, you know, doing any other day really gets kind of spicy and tricky um, in the end. So, <clears throat> you know, we had been planning for coffee for weeks now, almost months, but we're making the effort. We're making the effort. And when we get together and talk about whatever, you know, there doesn't have to be a big agenda. It was, it's just life updates. It's so good. It feels so nourishing. I feel so much more at ease. I feel like my nervous system has rested and it just feels so joyful. And then so I remember that and I make, you know, more coffee dates with her as where, you know, as much as I can. And so I think about, you know, I have two instances of community that I want to compare and contrast for you. Um, just as an illustrative, for illustrative purposes. Okay. So a few Fridays ago, I had um, my book launch party slash birthday party, birthday celebration, right? Um, I had it at the um, yoga studio where I teach, Onyx Yoga Studio. It was a community event. So it wasn't like just my friends. It was like open to all of the Onyx community. It was like this really great celebration. And I'm so grateful to Malati, the owner, for um, for saying yes and allowing me to have my book party there um, because it really didn't have anything to do with yoga, but it had everything to do with community, with gathering people together in community. And so, um, so I had my little book party where we had some food and lots of conversation with different people, people who don't, didn't know each other. You know, I had like little pockets of, of friends from different parts of my life and they were crossing over and interacting. Not all of them, but, you know, there were some who were, you know, interacting and it was really, it was really great to see, to see how I was able to gather that community together, even though they were from different parts of my life. And so that experience, and then after, you know, we had a little bit of refreshment, a little chit chat, then I shared some poetry, um, made it like a poetry reading. Um, I had my friend Rashawn come and share some poems beforehand to kind of like, hey, this is what poetry is, guys, for those of you who don't know. Um, it was really, it was a really great night. It was really beautiful. Um, I felt very supported, very much part of the community. And yeah, it, w- it was just good all around, like a warm, fuzzy feeling kind of thing. And there were some friends who I wish had been there, but I know that they had other things going on, things were coming up. And um, yeah, and so I just trust that those who showed up for community were the ones who needed to be there, you know, and that's, and that's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> so that's instance number one. In the contrast, instance number two was a poetry reading that I did at a small liberal arts college. Um, where I went to school and it was really supposed to be great. Um, it was a, what I viewed as a full circle moment where my book came out around the same time as my mentor's book. And so both of us sharing the stage, sharing our work together felt really good. And like I said, full circle moment, but however, 
what's another word? Like, you know, but, comma, however, comma. Hmm. The vibe of the community was not so great. It really, yeah, it just wasn't great. I mean, part of it was the room. The shades were drawn. And so there was no natural light coming in. So it felt very antiseptic, very institutional with the neon lighting. And it was in a small lecture hall. So it had the, the sort of stadium seating with the desks and people were spread out everywhere. The students, of course, were in the back and there were gaps, you know, mostly in the middle of the little lecture hall. And so energetically, not a great space, right? But also the English department, it's their event. They're hosting it. I can sense that the department as an entity, I'm not picking out specific people, but I'm saying collectively as an entity, the department is not in a good place. It's not. I can sense, and maybe this is because I know a little bit about what happens behind the scenes, but not as much as some people, but I sense that there is friction in the department. The department itself is toxic. And so that energy came through at the event and I was, and I sensed it and I was like, I'm going to like radiate out my light, my energy, my positivity, my gratitude and abundance for being in, in this room right now and being grateful for the people who showed up to hear my work and my mentor's work and, and work with that. And that's what I did, you know? I tried to create a sense of community by interacting with the audience, talking with them between poems and really listening to, to my mentor's work and really enjoying it. And so it was, it was there, but it was very tenuous. Building that community there was tenuous. It, I just, it wasn't easy and it wasn't something I was all that interested in shifting because I could sense the overwhelming toxicity of the department, even though the reading was not even in the, the building where the department is housed. It's just, I, this was an English department event and I could, I could just sense the energy of the department in there. And I was just like, oh, okay. It's, it was stultifying. It was stuffy. It was claustrophobic. I mean, it was just like, it wasn't great, but I did my best. You know, I like shared poems that I loved, lifted the energy a little bit in the room. Um, and it was what it was, you know? And then I talked to a few people afterwards and it was great to see everybody who I knew, you know, personally, like friends and things like that. Um, but it didn't feel like that warm, fuzzy feeling of my book party. You know, it's like, oh, it was really great to see your poems. I got to run though. Okay. You know, oh, you know, this was really awesome and wonderful. Great to hear. But I just, when people were saying that, I felt like the words were kind of empty. They were just saying that to say, I mean, I, I genuinely believe that they enjoyed my work, but I feel like the volume of the energy, the meaning of those words was at five out of 10. It was like half volume. And I don't know how much of that has to do with the energy of the room and the department, or if that was just them being sleepy or what. 
but that's what I sensed. So the sense of community was half mast, you know, half volume, five. It was at level five out of 10. The only saving grace for me, I mean, it was a little disappointing. I wasn't mad, but I was disappointed by just how things turned out because it wasn't truly, it didn't feel celebratory at all. It felt like obligatory. It was an obligation rather than a celebration. And I think that's that's why I didn't really feel like it was an enjoyable experience for anybody. Um, for anybody who was there, it was sort of, we were just going through the motions of a poetry reading and it was just, it was weird. I'm just going to say it was weird. But for me, the saving grace was speaking with two students afterwards who were so full of light and brightness and enthusiasm. It's this, I'm, what I'm thinking of is the fool's card in a tarot deck right? Or it's beginner's mind. Everything is fresh and bright. Possibilities are limitless. We're just going to take a leap into the unknown, into the stars, and we'll figure out the rest once we do that. You know, we're just going to trust that whatever unfolds, unfolds. And this was the energy of these two particular students. And I love that. I loved talking with them. And I hope that whatever they do, because I think they're both creative writers, that they can hold on to that essence and keep creating the work that they're creating. And I hope that they find their community, that they find their people. I mean, I think they have their people. Um, But I did say to both of them, if they needed any guidance, you know, any assistance in any way to reach out to me, you know, because I would love to help them on their path. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I just got that interaction with them as sort of a mini community. And so that was great. But that's the contrast between the two communities, right, that were formed. And so when I'm talking about community, we need to think about, okay, what's, what's the intention for creating the community? Because right now I'm thinking to myself, all right, I really would love to have community of my own. You know, at the beginning of this, of this episode, I was talking about how I feel like I'm by myself in, in these awarenesses about energy, about spirituality, about manifestation, about how we create our reality with our thoughts and our beliefs. Right. I feel like I'm alone in that geographically speaking, you know, in my immediate, like physical, like my town, my neighboring towns, the places where I do grocery shopping. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm by myself in that. And so I want to create a community of people. It could be virtual. It doesn't have to be phys- like physically here. Um, but I want to create a community of people or call in a community of people that have this shared perception of the world, that have these understandings of the world. You know, if we go back to the guidebook for that card, it says it's time to call in your tribe by sharing your soul's voice and letting yourself be seen, right? And this is what I've been doing. This is what I've been doing. But now 
it's time for me to literally call in my tribe to say, hey, people out there, I know you are listening. I know that you resonate with what I'm sharing. It's time for you to join me in community. It's time for you to come out of the shadows because I know y'all are lurking in the shadows, just listening, right? It's time for you to step into the light, to come into my circle, into my community, and just be here with me. I'm not asking you to, you know, put up a neon sign and say, hey, I'm here. I'm over here. I've been listening since the beginning, since your very first podcast episode in February of 2020. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you need to do that. Although it would be nice to hear that, that you're out there and you've been listening for that long. You've, you've been watching my growth and my evolution. Um, <clears throat> but it's just time for you to come in, just to come in. Come into my space, into my, into my little world, my little community of magic and mystery. And let's see what we can create together. You know, let's see what we can imagine and build and bring into this three-dimensional reality. So if, my friends, you are interested in coming into the community of this thing that I'm building, this thing that's emerging, reach out to me and say, hey, count me in. All you have to do is, you know, send me an email, lesliann at suryagian.com. And that's spelled S-U-R-Y-A-G-I-A-N.com. I'll put that in the show notes. But you can also DM me on Instagram. And just say, hey, you know what? I heard you talking about the community thing. I'm curious about that. I want in. Let, let's talk about it. Let's, let's build something. Because I don't even know exactly what, what's going on. I just know that I got to build something, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah. So why don't you, why don't you come on in? Reach out. Let's be in community together because being alone is just not worth it. That's not why we are here in this human experience. It's not why we came to incarnate in this life, in this specific time on this planet, to be alone. Mm-mm. No, not to be alone, but to be in community, to build the web of light, to build the light grid in community. So come on in, join me in community. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right. I think, I think we, we got it down, right? This, this episode's about community. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to share a poem to close out here. Listen, listen, listen. Close out the the episode with this poem by Pervy Shot. Yeah, it's kind of long, but well, let's just do it anyway. Okay, Pervy Shah's poem from the anthology, The World I Leave You, Asian American Poets on Faith and Spirit. This is called Beating Her Soiled Clothes, Saraswati reaches God and bursts into tears. And there's an epigraph here. In Hinduism, the first menstruation of a young girl is a cause for celebration with special gifts given. However, menstrual blood has generally been considered impure. At my grandmother's house, women were not permitted to cook in the kitchen, had different utensils, and ate and slept separately. They were also not allowed to enter the prayer room. 
Nonetheless, when, as a 12-year-old girl, I visited my grandparents during the summer holidays, my loving and pragmatic grandmother spared me this embarrassment by asking me to not tell anyone about my periods. And this epigraph is by Kumkum Bhatia from the article, Why Can't Girls Enter Temples During Menstruation, as featured in South Asian Parent Magazine. Okay, here we go. Where the river pulls off red, veil or living, shroud, a tiger sparks in woman's breast. When no one is watching, the tiger learns to swim. It follows the river as river makes, as if there were no day nor night, no moons to keep mark. The river has nowhere to be, no one to carry, no fabric to fold, no births to assume. No opinion to praise, no red blotches to whiten, no sleep to solitaire, nowhere to hide sore breasts, no need to compete. The black cloud for lavish rains, nowhere to go as it is, always going there, there, always going, absorbing curd of sea, absorbing salts off a girl's thigh, blood off a woman's smile. Forgive your smeared compound, layer for your cramp, scrap, piles for everything that is usable, this stack of your own future limbs. You want the power to turn a trident into a spoon, your hand as the first cup from which a toddler drinks. You believe you can. Talk to river, calm it down, reason it. Woman, have you not learned? You may birth your ruler. You feel every destination but perfection in this lifetime. Your sore skin as moon origin, as bountiful contamination. At rivers gather clumped fabrics of you. Measure 21 feet. Measure 27 feet. These waters, how they bear. Seer, rings, tried wombs, incarnations that could never be seen. After encountering Tiger, I spun my destiny as only water can, moving without moving, being without breaking whole. My lifetimes are prowling since this river conceived. Women rip around me, keening longings, tiding hopes, mark my streaks of salvation. These spilled wants come apart, come home. Mark the blood of my limbs, once they were river too. Mm. Wow, that was powerful. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I got to share that with y'all. All right, my friends. And so lots to chew on, lots to absorb. But remember, if you want to be in community, just reach out. I am here. And I will close this episode as I always do. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos. By signing up for my newsletter, will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagyan.com slash subscribe.